So how would you respond if someone asked you to describe your vocation? Would you talk about your work, either work for which you're paid or not? Would you talk about your role in your household or in extended family? Would it prompt a sense of duty, of obligation, a sense of joy? Uh, would you speak about a talent or a skill or a spiritual gift? Would you talk about your place in the world, maybe a cause or a movement to which you're committed? Maybe a commitment to serve people in need or a striving for justice and peace? Uh, the reading you just heard uh, speaks of the calling of the disciples and that sense of calling lies behind the word vocation. Vocation suggests a voice. Uh, specifically, a voice speaking to us. And today, tonight, we're invited to think about the voices to which we listen because we well may face multiple or even competing vocations in our lives. According to author and theologian Frederick Beekner, the challenge in figuring out our vocation is to find out which is the voice of God rather than the voice of society or the ego or self-interest. How do you figure that out? Especially when I've been reminded that ego is simply an acronym which stands for edging God out. How do we hear God's call? How do we hear God's call in all the noise of our life? Beekner suggests the following guideline for thinking about our vocation. He says that the place to which God calls us is the place where our deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. The place where our deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. In tonight's reading, St. Matthew tells us about disciples hearing that voice, that calling. We meet Jesus walking along the coast. He runs across a couple fishermen. He speaks to two of them as they're mid-cast, and he says, follow me, and I will make you fish for people. And amazingly, miraculously, they do it. They drop nets and follow him, like immediately. He does the same with a few other fishermen who say, see you, Dad, and join the small band of disciples. I wonder what Dad thought. Later in the gospel, Jesus is something similar with a whole other type of person, a tax collector named Matthew, and approaching Matthew's desk, Jesus says, follow me, boom. Matthew does it. Now I wanna zoom in on what Jesus says to those first fishermen, follow me, and I will make you fish for people. What's that about? It seems to me, in other words, he's telling them that as they leave their nets behind and launch into a new life, he is not negating or disregarding or destroying their vocation, who they are, or what they've already done. Rather, Jesus is meeting them where they are and inviting them into a new kind of fullness, a new kind of life, a life of abundance as described in John's Gospel. In Beekner's vision of vocation, Jesus recognizes their deep gladness and at the same time provides them a way to meet the world's great need, the need to know the love of God as it is revealed in Jesus. Now, Peter was one of those fellows, one of those fishermen, and he gets a fair amount of airtime in this particular week, which is known in the church as a week of prayer for Christian unity. This special week in our calendar, it began last Wednesday, January 18, 
with the feast, remembering the moment that Peter confessed Jesus as the Messiah, setting him up for a new chapter, for leadership in the church. Peter was clearly a born leader. He was outspoken. He was daring by nature. He is someone who never had an unexpressed thought. He brings who he is to this new calling, and we are here because of it. And this same week of prayer for Christian unity ends on January 25th, Wednesday, with a feast remembering the conversion of St. Paul, another key player, someone whose life was turned around because of his vocation and someone who made a big difference in our lives. It's probable that the good news of Jesus would not have spread to the Upper East Side if there wasn't St. Paul or someone like him. Prior to conversion, Paul was a vigorous, adventurous, nonstop, even compulsive persecutor of the church, gifted for that kind of thing. After conversion, it seems to me he applied those same aptitudes to meet the world's deep hunger. Same guy, new vision for who he was and how he could make a difference by proclaiming God's grace, love from which we could never be separated. Our world is hungry for that. In Several centuries later, the theologian Irenaeus put it this way, the glory of God is the human being fully alive. This is the intention of God's call to you and to me, so we can be fully alive. We each have a vocation. The voice of God speaks to each one of us. That voice asks us to follow to be led to that place of abundant life. We each are asked to listen for Jesus' voice, to open our hearts to it. Can you hear it? The question then becomes, what does following Jesus look like these days? Beekner's vision has helped me along the way in my own journey. It's made me think first of where my deep gladness lies when Jesus says, I will make you fish for people how will his call square with what I have to offer? Where is it that I find fulfillment? Where can I use my gifts and experience tapping into that place where I find joy? Jesus wants that for us, but that's not all. How does that vocation square with my vision of the hunger of the world? A hunger presented each day in the news, and outside the doors of this church, and maybe within the walls of this church. Where are our hearts touched by the needs of the world? Our faith tells us we each come to this place this evening with a calling. We are invited and challenged to listen for Jesus's voice, drowning out other noise, grasping that vocation for the sake of the world's deep hunger, Boy, is it deep. Giving thanks for the gifts we've been given and finding the fulfillment of our deepest gladness. Thanks be to God.